since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too good to be true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Sober Mom Life Podcast. These are the real sober mom chats. It's kind of like the Real Housewives, but without the booze, which means it's less dramatic and it's more fun because let's be honest, those ladies are not having fun. But these ladies are, and I am so excited. I brought these chats back because you guys loved them. You love these relatable stories. They're stories of moms just like you who are either newly sober or just still working things out and sober curious, or sometimes they have some years under their belt and they come and tell us all that they've learned and share their experience. 
You love these chats. I do too. If you want to share your story, I would love to hear from you. You do that over at the Sober Mom Life Cafe. That, in case you missed the announcement, is replacing our Patreon. It's much easier to understand. So it's just the Sober Mom Life Cafe. It will be linked in the show notes. You can get there through mykindofsweet.com. And it's $10 a month. You get bonus podcast episodes. You get weekly Zoom meetings. You get our monthly book club. You get access to our exclusive Discord chat with moms just like you. And you get to sign up to share your story on the podcast. So come on over there. It's linked in the show notes. It's the Sober Mom Life Cafe. And um, it's the only cafe without coffee. So bring your own coffee, but come for the connection and the community. And we would love to have you. Okay, guys, enjoy the episode. Okay, Danny, you're in your car and you're on the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm excited to talk to you too. Yes. And I love that we have my mom as a connection. Your mom is a, an absolute godsend to me. I mean, she's just a blessing to have, be able to have to work with her. And she's just been a big help to me, a big help. Yeah. Oh, well, I remember when she, yeah, because you guys work together. And I remember when she said, okay, I think someone's going to join us for the meeting. And I remember that day and she was so excited. And you have come such a long way since that first meeting. I'm excited to hear. Today, I am 84 days sober. Um, I have not had any alcohol. Yeah. Oh my God. It's a day that I never, I never would have dreamt that I would have ever made it this far, ever. And it's just, it's something that keeps me going. Danny, that's huge. Yeah. Especially with the amount of alcohol that I was drinking. I mean, it was just a normal thing for me. It was like a normal thing as soda is for somebody else. You know, beer was my drink. That's what I drank. And it was every night. And it took a while for me to actually come to realization that I had a drinking problem because I kept would always tell myself, okay, I can go all day long. Like I can go to work and go all day without drinking. And then the first thing I do when I got home was I opened a beer and I sat there and drank until we went to bed. And to me, that was, I wasn't an alcoholic because I didn't have to have it 24-7. And then the weekends would come and by 9 o'clock, 9.30 in the morning, I'm drinking. And I'm like, that's an alcoholic. Like, you need to wake up. You're an alcoholic. You know, I grew up with it with my dad and my grandpa. And it was just, I'm like, yeah, I have a problem. So it was something that I had to change. I think it's. It is interesting. So when you grew up, so you grew up and your dad drank a lot and your grandpa drank a lot. I mean, let's say you live in Wisconsin, which is like, it is a cultural thing there too. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're like, we're known, you know, like we're a big Wisconsin is a big drinking state. We're known for it. I I mean, I grew up with it. My dad's second home was a bar and, you know, we were always with them. I mean, we would go and play with the kids that of the the bar owner's kids, but still my dad is in the bar drinking. And I mean, my fourth grade teacher called my dad for a parent teacher conference. So it's just like, you know, it's pretty sad that my teacher could find my dad at the bar. It's like, you know. 
Okay, so your teacher called the bar to find your dad for a conference? Yep, for a parent-teacher conference. Yeah. Wow. So I haven't lived in Wisconsin for a long time, but I just always knew growing up this law that as long as you're with your parents in a bar, no matter your age, you can drink legally, no matter your age. Like, how fucked up is that? Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Once you're 18, then it's you can't really get away with it because of the fact is you're technically illegally an adult. Okay, so that's so funny. So before 18, you can drink legally with your parents. When you're 18, you can't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But between the ages of 18 and 21, you're under considered underage. But hey, if you're sitting at the bar with your parents and you're under 18. But if you're 14. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Have a belly up to the bar, you know. Yeah, only in Wisconsin, man. I know. Seriously. And so that is like, yeah, when you grow up around that. And so when did you start drinking? I would have to say I was probably 14, 15 years old as I would sit in the garage with my dad and I would drink. Okay, so you would drink with your dad. Yep. I mean, and I wouldn't get like fucked up. Like I wouldn't get messed, like drunk. My dad would let me have a beer, you know, because his whole motive was, You know, if you go to a party and you know there's alcohol that's going to be there and I don't know about it and you get in trouble, pretty much your ass is mine. But if you go to a party and there's alcohol there and you tell me beforehand and you get in trouble, I'll be there to help you. But, you know, so it was almost like a reassuring thing, I think, for him that, hey, you know, we were in the we were at home doing it and not like getting out, going out and getting in trouble with it. But it didn't really become a problem. I mean, it was, I wasn't, it wasn't like a trigger for me then at all. Like I never, like I could drink socially. Like I wasn't one that would constantly be drinking every night. But I started about 14, 15 in the garage with my dad. Wow. And so then when, did it just like slowly ramp up or what was, yeah, what's the history of alcohol? So My husband and I, we had moved to Missouri in 2012 or 13, I think it was. And we had lived in Missouri and I worked for a company that rented houses and a lot of it was like section eight properties. And there was over 700 some houses. And I was the one and only person in charge of those houses for maintenance wise. And so the job was extremely stressful. And I was five minutes from my dad. So my drinking became really heavy when we lived in Missouri because the uh, girl I worked with, her and I, we would go and get like little airplane shooters of kinky, the alcohol kinky. Oh, what's kinky? Hold on. Wait, what is kinky? (laughs) It's, well, now the ones that we did were the pink ones, but there's pink and blue ones. And it's, I don't know if it's like a vodka or. Is it like pucker? No, it's better. It's better than pucker. It it is really good. And I don't know what kind of alcohol it is, but we would sit there and slam those in the afternoon. And then I would drive home and I would drink all night long. I wouldn't eat anything. I, I mean, it was just easy. And then my dad, he'd come over all the time because we were literally five minutes away. And he'd always make sure that my refrigerator was stocked full of beer because between him and I, we could put away beer. And I lost over 60 pounds just because of my drinking. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I, at that point, I was like, okay, you know, I noticed it. You know, I realized it, but I didn't stop drinking. It didn't stop me until we came back. We lived down there for a year and then we came back home. And 
I ended up getting pregnant with my son. And so obviously I'd stopped drinking then. And I kind of, I tamed back a little bit with the drinking after he was born. I wasn't drinking quite as much, but then I just, I don't know. I just started drinking every night. I mean, I was, you know, stressed out. I was a new mom and, you know, had a husband who didn't really help much. And at that time I lived with my in-laws, so that didn't help much. Whoa, yeah, yeah. And then it just became to where I just, that's what I did. I drank every night. I'd come home and I would drink every night. And then it just started spiraling. Well, I like when you said, and that's just what I did. Because I think that a lot of women are in that spot where it's just like, you grow up that way. There's no, you know, you don't learn all of these other ways to cope. And so when you're stressed out and when you're sad and when you're going through changes and, and motherhood and everything that life throws at us, yeah, that's just what you do because that's just what your dad did. Like if everyone around you is doing it too, like it just doesn't feel like it's a problem, right? Right. And I didn't think I had a problem because, you know, I I wasn't like my best friend in school growing up. Her mom literally like our wake up call was her cracking open a beer and she drank all day long. And to me, I like it kept I kept reminding myself, like, that's not me. I'm not doing that. I'm going to work every day and I just only drink at night when I come home. But then, you know, like when I would go hang out with friends and I would be like pretty much passed out drunk and it got to the point where I just, I couldn't drink socially anymore. And it got to the point where I wasn't drinking just to get drunk and have fun one night. It was, that's what I did. I drank, you know, just enjoyed the taste of beer. So that's what I did. Right. And so what was the point that you said, okay, I don't like this anymore. And I think there's another way. Like, what was that turning point for you? I think the biggest turning point for me was when my six-year-old son, who he's six now, but I don't remember how old he was. I was hungover one morning. I was like, I don't even remember what we were doing the night before, but I was clearly shit-faced and I was hungover. And without saying anything, my son walked into the kitchen, into our refrigerator and grabbed me a beer and brought it to me and said, here, mom. I brought you medicine to make you feel better. Mm. And I'm like, I just broke down. My child should not know, especially at the age that he was at between four and six. He shouldn't know that. He should not know that beer is going to make me feel better. Mm. Like he shouldn't know that. And I remember growing how what it was like growing up with my dad being an alcoholic and it wasn't pretty at all, at all. My dad was pretty abusive. And so I remember, I mean, I could share scary stories of just of stuff that has happened. And I didn't want that for, I didn't want that for my son. I don't want that for my son. And I think that was the biggest wake up call. I mean, it's been a while since that had happened for me to actually finally say, okay, enough's enough. Like I would say in my mind, okay, Danielle, I'm done feeling like this. I'm done waking up hungover. I'm done you know, having a short fuse with my son for absolutely no reason. And it took me a while, but I just, I finally just said enough's enough and I'm done. Like no more. I'm done. I don't, I don't want it for him. Yeah. I mean, I think that happens a lot in 
There are those instances that we remember, right? And then it still does take a while. And, you know, like mom always talks about the stages of change, like change takes a long time. And all of those building blocks were leading you up to being ready to be done. Because when you grow up like that, I mean, that's a huge thing for you to change. It's kind of like stepping into the abyss of something that you don't know, right? Exactly. And then it's just like, you know, I kept reminding myself, it's like, you know, I would think back at times, I mean, just stupid reasons that my dad, for absolutely no reason, but because he was drunk, I mean, he was verbally and physically abusive to my sister and I, and I never got that point with my son, never. And I couldn't imagine doing that, but I would catch myself losing my temper and I would have a shorter fuse and less patience with my son. And it was over stupid shit. And it's like, I remember growing up like that and I was like, nope, I have got to change before it does become physical because I don't want that for my child at all, at all. And so I'm like, you know, it's just kind of like flashbacks to my childhood. And I was like, yep, nope, that's enough's enough. Like, Danielle, you've got to stop. You have to stop. What a way to start healing yourself and, and saying like that you are worth you know, you are worth so much more and you are worth figuring this out and changing for you and for your son. And I like that Laura McCowan talks about like generational trauma, like follows and, and continues through the family and ends at the person who is strong enough to feel everything. And like you proved like, no, you're strong enough. It ends here. Yeah, I um, and, and you know, and I did it, I, I did it on my own. I, I shouldn't say I did it on my own. I started to do it and, you know, it was the point to the, that I actually wanted to do it before I, I would talk about it to myself. Like I didn't think that I would have the support that I had or have, I should say, not had, I, I have. And when your mom told me about your group, I was just like, yeah, absolutely. Cause there was plenty of times where I just kept thinking in my head, like, okay, I'm going to secretively go to AA meetings. Like, you know, try, I even Googled them, you know, to see where they were at. And then I was like, nope, I don't want to. And then your mom talked to me about your group. And I was like, when I had joined the Facebook group, I was like, wow, I'm not the only person with that problem. Like there is so many other people out there that are struggling like me and I don't have to do it alone. And that's what helped me a lot is knowing that I'm not doing this alone. I'm doing it for myself, but I'm not doing it alone. And I have all the support from my family and my friends and this group. And it's helping me achieve being sober and being happy about being sober. I love that you let yourself be surprised, you know, like you let yourself be surprised by your friends and like the people who are there to support you when it's, I think it's easy to say like, oh, well, I can't stop drinking because everyone around me is drinking. Like I can't stop. And it's like, well, give them a chance, you know, give them a chance. See, because the, our good friends are going to love us no matter what. Yep, exactly. They're going to love us whether we're drinking, like it doesn't matter what's in our cup. And, and, and if friendship hinges on what is in your cup. I mean, that's something to look at. Yeah, then it's really not a friendship, right? <laughs> totally. I love, that's why I created all of this. Like to, to say that you are so not alone. And that's why I always bristle at the idea of someone like, I have a problem. And it's like, no, no, no. When you see how many people, women are struggling, it's like, it becomes so clear that alcohol is a problem. Whether it's a, you know, capital P, small P, whatever it's taken, 
Like there's this line and depending on where you fall in it, alcohol is a problem and it'll take and take and take. Yeah. My best friend asked me, you know, do you ever see yourself being able to drink socially? Like, you know, do you think that this is going to be like a long-term thing? And I told her, I said, there is absolutely no way I would ever be able to drink socially because I can't control myself. I can smell the alcohol and it makes me want to, it makes me want to vomit now. If I smell other people, it's like, yuck. That's what I used to smell like, like gross. I mean, I don't have anything against anybody that wants to drink. That's, that's their choice. I have nothing against that. But just be respectful of me not wanting to drink, and which they all are. I mean, I can't say that one person has not been respectful of that at all. They all have been. But when I told her, I said, you know, it's that one, that first taste of alcohol and I will lose it again. I, I am the type of person that cannot drink socially. I can't. I just can't. And there's so, I mean, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands who, who, who can't because it just, it's just, it's an addictive substance. That's like, that's what it is. And there, I don't know what other highly addictive substance that we're supposed to enjoy socially. It's like, well, enjoy, you know, heroin just socially. Just do it socially. It's like, no, wait. Yeah, just once in a while. <laughs> yeah, just do cocaine socially, you guys. What's wrong with you <laughs> right. that you can't do that? And it's like, wait a second. You you can't just do, do, just do a little bit and be good for the rest of your life or, you know, right. Yeah, no. Yeah, like it's it's highly addictive and, and that generally leads to, to some not good things. Yep. Do you want to talk, and we can cut this out too, because I know that you also wanted to stop smoking. Yes. I'm so good because when mom said she's going to stop both and I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, I don't know. That sounds like a lot. That so- it, <laughs> it sounds is. like a lot to me. And I'm like, okay, well, hopefully she'll prioritize alcohol, you know? And like, if, if smoking happens, okay, fine. But just like prioritize the alcohol. So how, how is that? It's not. <laughs> I think that that is really, really important for people to hear because I think that there can be this kind of pressure of like, okay, well, I'm going to just quit it all. And I'm like, that's a that's a lot. Like quitting alcohol on its own is a lot. And, and so to do two, I'm like, okay, that's, and it's not a failure if you're not quitting everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried and I lasted about two and a half days, I think of not smoking and then along with not drinking. And it's just like, nope, I'm, I'm just going to concentrate on one thing and then like move slowly towards the second goal. And hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be, you know, alcohol free and smoke free, but it's, it's not, it's not going well, well for me at all, as hard as I try, but it's not going well. No, but I think that I hope you can reframe that in that this is where it gets kind of weird in that the way that you can love yourself through sobriety is by allowing yourself this, you know, because this isn't going to make you, you know, it's not going to make you lose your mind. Right. It's not going to affect you the way that alcohol has. Yes, it's bad, but we all do bad things, right? We're all, I'm addicted to sugar, like sugar kills people too. 
And so I bring this up. I don't want it to be in the lens of failure because I definitely don't see it as a failure. I see it as like a huge step forward in sobriety and being like, okay, you know what? I know my limits and I'm going to focus on this. That maybe is down the down the road. And let's focus. It's like why people smoke in rehab, like everyone. Right. Because it's, it's right. They have that addiction. They have, they at least have one addiction. Yep. Right. Yes. And I think that's what I kind of keep playing in my head is like, you know, it's just that one addiction. I cut one addiction out and I'm slowly trying to take out another addiction, but it's difficult. It's hard. It is hard. And you cut like what you've done and how far you've come in cutting alcohol out is huge, huge. And I hope that you can focus on that. Right. I'm just going to keep going with the way I'm going and and stay alcohol-free and then slowly start transitioning into being smoke-free as well. Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. I mean, you know. I think that also in your story, I think what's relatable is a lot of people, especially in Wisconsin and in these big drinking states, do grow up drinking with their parents and whether that's in childhood, teenage, college, or in adulthood. And it's like when you stop drinking, then what happens to that relationship with your parents, right? Yep. It's actually, it's not going bad. Um, My dad was home for the first time just this past weekend since I've quit drinking. And I've told him, I mean, I told him right off the bat, you know, I'm alcohol free because he'd always call when every time we talk on the phone, he's always like, you can tell he's drinking a beer. So it's just like, you know, and then you know how far in he is because of the bullshit stories that he's telling and the constant repeating himself, whatever, you know, but it, it went good. I will say that I did figure out one of my biggest triggers was at my cousin's wedding this weekend. Um, My cousin got married on Friday and it was extremely hard for me not to get a drink. Mm. It was... It was worse than my state bowling weekend. I was just going to say, and you've been through the bowling. Yeah, you went through the bowling weekend. Okay, tell me why you think it was hard or harder than that. I think a lot had to do with the atmosphere. Every time like we go to weddings or something like an event like that, like with the DJ, you know, I'm a huge dancer. I love to dance. I'm all I'm the one that's always on the dance floor, whether I'm by myself or with a group of people. But I've always got a drink in my hand. I'm always drinking. And just the whole environment alone, I was just like, wow, I am going crazy. Like I seriously, I even texted my friend and I was like, I want to order a drink so bad. And she's like, you've told me before, you can't drink socially. She goes, don't do it. She goes, you know, you're, this is important to you. Like, stay strong. You know, you're strong. You got this. And then she got worried because I, my phone died and I wasn't able to message her. And so she's like, are you still sober and alive? I'm like, I said, yep. I said, I'm still sober and alive. So I I mean, they had NA beer there. So I had a couple of them and then my son and I were kicking back the kitty cocktails. So we made it through the night. <laughs> I mean, good for you for sending that text. That's the text that you need to send in, in those. And good for your friend for reminding you why you're on this journey and all you've gotten from it, right? But like reaching out for help, like that's the moment that you said, I don't think I could do this alone, right? I need someone who can remind me why I'm doing this. And like that text, sending that text is what's, Yeah, it's like so important. And it helped me, right? And it helped me because it was just, it was, it was helping me process that, 
you're craving a drink. And so by you messaging your friend and just getting it out there and not holding it in that you just want to drink, it helped me. I mean, it, it helped me tremendously because it's like, you know, I am in this atmosphere where everybody is drinking, everybody. And if they were too at state bowling, but there wasn't a DJ, there wasn't the atmosphere of the party, you know, it was, they're all drinking, but it wasn't the same. It was just totally different. And it was a struggle. It was a huge struggle, especially after the ceremony. But yeah, I just, I got through it. And that's a lot of my family found out on Friday that I wasn't drinking and just to watch their reactions, like what? And then them questioning, you know, like, well, what made you decide that and this and that and, you know, good for you and stuff. So, I mean, just to see everybody's reaction about how surprised they were that I wasn't drinking because I'm normally the drinker. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so proud of you. And that's one of those firsts that just then propel you through everything. Like, that is probably the hardest, right? Like, that is the hard. It Like, the next family wedding is not going to be that hard because you've done it before. And, like, all of your memories. Yep, I've experienced it. I know. Yeah. Also, the thing about weddings, and I'm a dancer, too. Mom's a dancer. Like, we love, I, I'll be on the dance floor. And I was just at my husband's nephew's wedding in January. And I was dancing. And, like, people probably assumed I was drinking. And I was like, that's fine. Because like, then you can just dance like crazy because everyone's drinking and they're just assuming everyone's drinking. Right. And so I'm like, yeah, like then I just still get to dance and feel good. Yeah. It was so funny to see a lot of people's reaction. That, I mean, even people that I didn't know, because I'm walking around with an N.A. beer and everybody's kind of like looking at me like, yeah. seriously, like you're not drinking, but you're drinking an N.A. You know, you could, like you could just feel the vibe of it. And that's when I was like, okay, screw it. I'm just going to switch to kitty cocktails because one, they were free. And two, my son was enjoying drinking them. And it looked like I had a drink in my hand. So, you know, I could stop getting the weird looks. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Oh, my God. People are like, wait, wait, you're not doing the highly addictive substance? That's the reality, though, especially in Wisconsin. Like, people are like, N.A., beer, what a waste. Exactly. I mean, I had a lady at Walmart question me about it the one time. And this was when I was freshly started not drinking. And I had, I got an A beer and the lady came up to me and she's like, well, if you want to, you know, hurry up and scan it while I'm standing here, I can put my numbers in. Well, it's non-alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't require for her to put her numbers in. And so she's like, huh, that's kind of strange. And I'm like, well, it's probably because it's non-alcoholic. And she goes, well, why would they even come up with non-alcoholic? And I said, for people like me that just choose not to drink, you know, or people that can't drink. Like, why are you, why are you questioning it? What does it matter? You're not buying it. You're not drinking it. Who cares? It's such a cultural thing. Like, it's just, I totally, just growing up in Wisconsin, I know that. Like, I know that assumption. It's just an assumption that everyone, of course, everyone drinks, right? Drinks, right. You're, you're from Wisconsin. Oh, you're a big drinker. You have to be a big drinker, you know? Yes. Yeah, it's, it, that's definitely it. Oh my God. Well, what's your favorite part about sobriety? My favorite part is I just, I feel so much healthier. I feel I'm just, I'm more alive. I'm more awake. I'm more um, energetic. And just having that time with my, with my family again and my husband and I, it seems like our relationship has gotten better. 
I get to enjoy the things with my son more and that I can, cause I can remember them, you know, like going on our family vacations and stuff and just knowing that I've worked so hard for this and it's just something that I'm accomplishing. It's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. And it's, I'm so proud of myself because I have accomplished this. This is something that I never in a million years would have ever expected me to do was to stop drinking ever. Oh, Wow. And you're doing it and you're rocking it. I am. I am. It's, I'm, I'm so proud of myself. I'm, I, I can't say that enough. I love that so much. And I'm just so proud of you too. I'm so glad that mom brought you into our community. I am too. She's a blessing. She is definitely a blessing in my life. Big time. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, I adore you. And the next time I come up to visit mom, you need to come over and then we'll do dinner at mom's house for sure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll bring some NA wine. I found some really good stuff. Yes. Oh, good. Okay, good. Oh, my God. Well, Danny, thank you. Thank you for being so open and so honest. And for just, you're you're always so positive in the meetings, too. Like, everyone loves to hear your stories. And, like, you're always so, you're just such a light. So, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.